will love that. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. Hello and welcome to episode 399, yes, 399, of Ferg on the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. Enjoy me as always, it's a glorious league freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? Going all right, Andrew. How are you? Not too bad. I can't believe we've done 399 of these. I know. It's uh, it's crazy to think about because like, we can talk about Rugby League non-stop and then... Like, but we've done it 399 times. It's really well, strange. Well, the episode, the podcast has. I mean, I've probably been here for about 300 of them, and you've been here for about 397 of them. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think I've only missed two. Hey, yeah, so, yes, just the but, two. Yeah, but it's you know, that's why it's a collective. We just we destroy the planet on a collective scale 399 times. It's been great. It's what we do. Yeah, yeah. It's what we do. Facts, facts. Um, so we're gonna do a let's let's do it. We haven't done it this year. Let's do an Ask Kenty. Oh, it's it's been a while. Um, it I has. don't know what volume we're up to. I feel like it's probably volume seven or something. Hey, something like that. It, yeah. there's been a few, but you know these ones are usually pretty good. Yeah, you gotta um, and you gotta let them like build up and eventually. You get get some really good ones. So, and you don't want to do it like into the season too. You don't want to do it at the start of the year. No, it's right. It's, it's boring shit at the start of the year. You want to get in there when they're hopefully talking a little bit about rugby league. Yeah, yeah. Probably they probably not, but anyway. <laughs> That's right. Um, shall we dive on in? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Um, Todd G asked, "Are you able to confirm the status of James Hooper's driving license?" Hashtag asking for a friend. That's straight off the bat, hey? How about is he on the sideline? He's very poor. Yeah. Um, yeah. I heard him giving the weather the update the other day, and I went, oh, even he didn't seem confident doing that. I heard him give the score update in a game on the weekend, and then the previous weekend he told us about, I think I might have mentioned this, some of the ins and outs in the team um, 17 minutes into the game. So it's just he's terrible at it. It's kind of scoop. Funny. Yeah, yeah. Scoop. yeah, he's brilliant. Um hopeless. Yeah. It's like they're trying to find something for him to do, but he's shit at everything he does. Yeah, they should just let him, you know, do the staff writing on his blog. Yeah. The occasional panel beating he's got on the side. Yeah. Um <laughs> here's another one. They've taken a screenshot of a tweet from the Fox Sports um, Twitter account. Mm-hmm. And in that tweet, um, they've got a quote there by uh, Phil Rothfield, and he says, if Moses and Bai is a better fullback than Ty- Tyrell Sloan, I will retire. And <laughs> the tweet says, Dragons have got undefeated since Rothfield offered to quit. Does he need some boxes? <laughs> <laughs> Tell you what, Mbai didn't play too bad in the last game. Yeah, but Jesus, well, yeah, there is that. It's it's just the rest of his career counts against him. He's, um, he's just not a fullback. He's pos- positionally, he just he's clueless. 
Um, yeah, yeah, it's it's a weird makes one. Makes a lot of bad decisions at the back too. I wonder if like he just during the week he just is so convincing that he can play fullback that you just like this dude's like he he's got it he'll get it. I just give him time. Uh, he's just not. No. He's just not. He's just. He's a backup six. That's all he is. On, on his best day, hey. Yeah, that's right. Um, would you rather fight an elephant-sized chicken or ten chicken-sized elephants? Oh, ten chicken-sized elephants, definitely. Have, have you ever seen a chicken? Well, yeah, I'm from a farm. Yeah, well, I guess. I guess that's a good point. But, like, can you imagine an elephant-sized chicken? It would be like a Tyrannosaurus Rex, literally. Yeah, but it's also a scared animal. But, but like, you see chickens when when there's something that's small, they will want to eat it. Possibly, but if it's making enough noise and moving around, and it'll startle them. Yeah, but just say just say you've got a chicken that's the size of an elephant, right? Yeah. How how are you going to take that on compared to a bunch of little elephant-sized chickens? Because like, what was it, ten of them? Yeah. I, I'm 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 looking like fucking a soccer player just booting them things into the air. Yeah, like yeah. they, that, they don't last fair. like fifteen seconds. That's pretty fair. Yeah. Just take a cricket bat out. Yeah, like uh, I'd launch them suckers. They'd be gone. Yeah. No, fair call. I'll, I'll, I'm with you on that one. Even if it was 20 of them, I'm still, I, I'm not even worried. I'm like, yeah, d- let's do this. Yeah. I would like to fight a a a chicken that was the size of a German Shepherd. You reckon that's about the, the maximum size a chicken should be to fight? I think so, because I... I reckon you could punch it in the head because they haven't got big brains. No. I think that would stun it. But Probably. Like, I I think you, if it's a bunch of elephants the size of chickens, it's literally just down to cardio. Like, oh, you might be able to do 50 of them before <laughs> you need just a bit. You need 30 seconds, you know? That's very cool. Okay, next up we've got uh, Braden asking, is Ruben Cotter everything that the media tells us Victor Radley's supposed to be, but without the dickhead element? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm worried about Victor Radley, hey? Yeah, it's like sometimes you find these players who play on the, the edge, so to speak, that they feel like they always have to be there. Yeah. And... If they have a few games where they're not being um, penalised or put on a report or anything like that or being spoken about as you know anything negative, they go, "Oh, better, better go a bit off the rails in the next game." Yeah, and and or they feel as though they've got to go out and play a certain way, and when they can't play that way, it it puts them so far off their game. But it's like it reminds me of. Um, Oh, what was the name that the forward he used to play for the Bulldogs and went to the Knights? Um, Clemmer. Clemmer, yeah. You know how there was a point where people were like, oh, Clemmer needs to fire up, he needs to fire up, and then he did it, and it, it kind of wasn't working. 
and then he went back to playing his normal game, but it just felt like he was a bit lost. I feel like Victor Radley is a little bit lost with his career at the moment. I feel like he's kind of got to find the player he is. Yeah, he kind of strikes me as someone, skill set-wise, that he's sort of between a few different positions. Mm. And I do worry that he'll he'll follow the same sort of path that Tyrone Peachy has, where he just plays as this everywhere man, but not yeah. a you know a jack of all trades but master of none type player. Yeah, and I guess the other thing is too because he's not a big forward, it, it's going to wear him down a lot quicker than it will other players. Like the NRL forwards are massive and they're not getting smaller, and no. you know it's all well and good to rip and tear when you've just started first grade really and but that's gonna wear you down and, and like maybe that's what's happening to him. Yeah, I wonder if because he does have good ball playing skills. Mm-hmm. He does run good line. He's a good defender. Why not put him at centre? Yeah, I was just thinking that, hey, I wonder if he would have the I mean you would think he would have the lateral ability. I wonder if he'd have the speed to do it. Well I mean he's got um you know, you could put a winger outside him, probably Tupo. He'd be fine. You'd think so. I mean, I mean, or you could put the fucking golden child, Joseph Sawali, outside him. I mean, apparently he came out of God's anus. The golden child. <laughs> You're not a fan Just, of his tie. No, look, this is the thing, okay? Before he even came into first grade, there was like a three-way tug-of-war for his signature between Rugby Union South and the Roosters. Yeah. And he was constantly being talked, you know, because of that, constantly talk up about this next big fucking thing and he's going to be great and all this sort of stuff. And then the Roosters got his signature and then the following year they asked for an exemption to get him to play first grade. And you're going, wow, this kid must be good if they're trying to get him in there while he's only 17. Yeah. And I watch a lot of the games he plays a lot of the times he's he gets out of position easily. Um, he drops a lot of balls. He often isn't in the right place in attack. A pass mm-hmm. will go behind him, a pass will go in front of him. Um, and then all of a sudden you'll see him pull off, you know, one or two plays to justify his existence in the team for another week. And I don't know, I just think, is he worth all that hoo-ha that went on? I don't, I didn't get it. Like, how many other teenagers have come and gone as backs? Mm. That was so much more impressive at that same age. I mean, Chris Lawrence came in a grade at seventeen. Yeah, he fucking hit it out of the park. What about? I yeah. mean, Josh, Josh Hannay didn't he play when he was like sixteen? Exactly. Exactly. And look, there's been tons of teenagers who were really good when they first came along, and they were good for quite a number of years. Mm. Um. And they lived up to the hype for quite a while. This guy has been paid more than most of them. And he's not matching the hype at all. Like the yeah. hype around him is very similar to the hype around Luke Brooks after his debut. <laughs> I'm not lying. <laughs> Remember when he had that debut and he ripped the dragons apart? Mm. And then for the next year, all we heard was how much he was going to be like Andrew Johns. We're like, just fucking settle down. I guess the thing about about him is that, like, he's a huge dude for an outside back. He's absolutely massive. Oh, the frame. Look, he does have plenty of skill and plenty of agility for a big man. I'm, I'm not saying he doesn't have that. But 
to me, he's still too green to be mm. playing in the NRL as a regular player. He needs that time in the lower grades to, you know, hone his skills. He's not ready for first grade yet. Well, that's how I feel about Cobo, hey? Like, up in Yeah, he's Brisbane. similar. He is yeah, similar. like you can see, he's going to be a really good player. Like, there's no doubt about it. But no. I just think physically he's not ready for first grade. And, you know, I I talked about this on Twitter a couple of weeks ago, and people were like, well, it's better for him to get his experience in first grade. And I can see that argument. But, you know, when you've watched the lower grades and you see the impact that a player can have against a lower quality opposition but still a good opposition – and it, sometimes it allows a player to back themselves a little bit more, try things that, you know, don't, if they make a mistake, it doesn't end up being national headlines for a week and things like that. Um, so it, it like, I, I, I think sometimes people underestimate what can happen for a young player when they can learn things in the lower grades. And look, I think somebody like a Cody Walker is a great example of that. Oh, absolutely. He also had, um, I forget his name, former Titans halfback. Uh, former Titans Oh, uh, what's his name? Yeah, he went down to Canberra. Yeah. We're, we're bad with names this week. We are, we are bad. <laughs> we are bad. But yeah, he's, um, he's another good example of someone who spent a lot of time in the low grades before making it into first grade and getting out of the park. It's just, it's quite a helpful tool being able to do that. Um, yeah, Cobo's definitely an absolute gun. Um, what have we got next here? Another one says, two-part question. When you and Creepy Crawley had that tanty about how in your, in your day play managers don't attend press conferences, did you look across the table at the play manager hosting the show? Oh, that's a great question. That's <laughs> also, a great one. Do you still wear an onion on your belt? <laughs> <laughs> You know, people blow up about Braithen Astor being a player manager for Munster and, and that. And I get it. But at the same time, I don't think it's... I don't think it's uh, a massive deal in terms of... I don't think Braithen Astor's on there pumping up Munster all the time. Like, it's it, like Munster is playing great. It's not like Munster's playing crap and Braithen Astor's on that show going, you know what? He's one of the best players in the world. He's going exactly. to get a heap of money. Like it, it, he was. He's going to get a heap of money no matter what. Yeah. I don't think it's anything that Anasta's saying. You know, <laughs> that's right. Munster's Munster's selling himself pretty damn well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I I don't see the problem with that. I do see a problem with uh, Callum Ponga's dad. I think that's weird, but you know, he got he got the money at the end of the day and. Yeah, no, that's Newcastle's problem that they committed to, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah, why not? Um, another one here says, why doesn't Hoops have a driver's license? Wow, people are really focused on that. Well, yeah, I suppose that's the sort of muck that Hooper wants to play around in. That's true, that's true. You've got and to kind of expect it to, to be flung back in your direction, I guess. That's probably why he's doing all this sideline work, trying to get a bit of uh, extra coin so he can pay the fine. I well, actually don't know what's going on. I, I didn't know he's lost his license because I, I genuinely don't give a fuck. Yeah. I and mean, there's nothing wrong with taking the bus, I guess. I wouldn't be caught dead doing it, but anyway. The bus is fine. 
No, it's not. It's fucked, but you know. <laughs> Hey, I've got a question for you that's not on there. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on Oliver Gildart? Yeah, I um, I think I said yesterday he's got hands like hands like messy slop. I said he was the worst player in the NRL. See, I'm not sure he's the worst. The thing is, position wise, he's very good. He's always in the right spot at the right time. But his hands are atrocious. Oh, he's, and yeah. He, and he can't his decision catch... making when he's got the ball in his hand is barely any better. Yeah, it's like if he catches the ball, congratulations. He's probably going to throw it away in a stupid way. Exactly. And it's I, I, you know, the weird thing was I said he was the worst player in the NRL, and it was like we were talking about before the podcast where you sort of kind of walk away and then you come back and people are going crazy over it. But the thing I was a little bit surprised about was how many former or how many current Wigan fans were like, oh, yeah, that, that seems about right. That's what we <laughs> thought would happen. And normally that's not the case. They would support the player and be saying, Protect you their know, own kind. yeah, Um but no, there were so many Wigan fans that were like, oh, yeah, we kind of had a feeling that was how it was going to go. And his last season in Wigan wasn't great. So that really, really surprised me. A lot of people were talking about his size. I don't think his size is the problem. Like, it's no. just the lack of skill. <laughs> yeah, his hands are atrocious. I think if his hand ball handling skills a lot better and he chose chose to die with a ball in hand, than try and do some sort of smart arsey play. He'd probably be about ten times the player he currently is, and he'd actually be quite useful and NRL quality. But as it is, his ball handling is atrocious. Some of his passes that he tries to pull off, flick passes of that, half the time he doesn't need to do the stupid flick pass. He can just do a normal pass. And he's you know so, you know sometimes you just get a play and you watch him and as soon as you know, place that's heading their way. Mm. You kind of close your eyes, but squint through your squint through the gaps in your fingers. Going, I yeah. don't really want to watch, but I kind of have to. He's kind of like that. Kind of like watching um, Brayton Astor at fullback. <laughs> so you know it's going to be a car crash, but you kind of want to see the you you kind of want to see the the shattered bodies everywhere. Yeah. So, oh, there's another arm come off. <laughs> you, you know he's going to fuck it up. And you yeah. want to see it happen. And, and you want to know how. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> it's going to happen in a way you're not expecting. Exactly. And that that's kind of the charm to it all. Like, this is going to be memorable for all the wrong reasons, but I need to see it so I can say, yeah, I remember watching that shit go down. <laughs> um, and it's weird to yeah. see it happening in the Tiger side that isn't very good. But when you see something happening and you're like, oh, this guy fucked it up again. Yeah. It's like to stand out as that play in the West Tiger side, you've got to be really fucking it up. Exactly. And look, this is the thing is he came over as a test player, so he's obviously going to be one of the first picked just because of that. Um, but even after just eight weeks, he'd already been relegated to a bench player. Mm. And the Tigers have not had um, their full complement of outside backs. So he's struggling to get in there 
when some of the people who he's going to be competing with aren't even there, like Adam Dewey, for example, who will go into centre. Yeah. James Roberts has been in and out with injuries, thank Christ. Um, there was Asu Kepoa. I'm sorry, I don't pronounce his surname, but yeah, he he's had a, a knee injury, which he only just come back from, and he was limping around again on the weekend. Mm. Um, so, you know, there's... There's just there's these other players who would probably be there in front of him, and he's going to be competing with them when they're all fully fit and they come back. And I'd be surprised if we see much of him once once uh, Dewey t- returns to the side, especially if Luke Brooks continues to prove me right that he is a six who has a good skill set, and the team learns how to use that skill set, which they're still learning to do, mm. because he's he's never really been put in this position where he can just be a ball running ball player where someone else calls the shots. When Benji was there, Benji was a second receiver. He still had to call the shots and he didn't do it. Now we've finally got the role reversal where a proper play calling halfback is actually doing that job and he doesn't have to do it anymore. He just goes back to being a ball runner. And I mean, it's, it's hard to disagree that he's been immensely better since Hastings come back and he got moved to six. It's, Plus, that's, the games have been brilliant. That's true, but like at the same time, I think considering he's on a million bucks a year, and like I, I think Dewey would do a better job at that role. Oh, comfortably, comfortably, Dewey's a better six. Yeah, but at the same time, you've got to look at it this way, and that is they are paying this bloke a million, so they're going to be putting him in the side. Yeah. So if you cut him at six, the other thing that we did see more of on the weekend than the previous week was um, Brooks playing a chunk of the second half at hooker. Mm -hmm. I don't mind it. His size is an issue defensively. Um, Unlike other halves, though, he doesn't let his size make him scared about defending. He still charges in, and his technique's pretty good. He just doesn't have much meat to put behind it. Yeah, it's, it's just a physics problem, really. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I think the mindset that Maguire's got is, is if I've got him at hooker, because uh, he is he is fast. I mean, he's not beach sprinter fast, but he's mm. pretty fast off the mark. Mm. Um, if I have him at hooker, the props can help him with that defense issue in the middle. Whereas if he's defending a bit wider, he's going to get singled out by big second rowers. Yeah. And they're going to run through him. So it's a way of hiding him a bit in defense. Um, and it has kind of been working, uh, which then means what was the point of keeping Little? I don't know why they're hanging on to him. Get rid of him. Mm. Simple as that. And the, I think the idea is if we can turn Brooks into a um, capable enough hooker, which... I don't agree that they should be trying to do that, mainly because you still need to be quite a communicator to be at nine. You've got to get your forwards moving. You've got to get them doing what you need them to do, and he doesn't talk. Mm. I prefer him at six where he doesn't have to still – you can get by without him talking too much there. You yeah. can you can get by there. Um, I don't know. It's a, it's a tricky one, but I. That's a, that's a hard thing. You can break him down and look at him and go, you know what? He does. He clearly has the skill set. He just doesn't have. He just doesn't have any communication. And as a halfback, that is fifty percent of your job. Yeah. It's it's tricky. You go. He's got the skills, but he's a fucking mute. 
<laughs> and that's, that's been the frustrating thing about him is because you can see all of the good and all of the bad every single week, every single game. And so it's it's both easy and hard to say drop him to reserve grade or put him off the bench or just replace him because you go, but he can win games. And we've seen him do it for the last few weeks now. He's, you know, he's scored match-winning tries. He's kicked match-winning field goals. He's set up match-winning tries. You know, he's done this stuff. And it's been over the last three weeks. Um, but at the same time, you just go, fucking talk. <laughs> How much he's he's a rugby league mind. That's all it is. Hmm. So, I don't know. It is what it is, I guess. Yeah. We're stuck with him, though, for, what was he, 2074 or something like that they've signed him for? Yeah. At least he's, he's, you know, like a round number, million bucks. That's fine. Yeah. Until next year, it'll be 1.4, and then it'll be it's probably backhanded, backhanded like fuck. <laughs> probably find out in three years' time he's on $9 million a year and our cap's blown on one player. <laughs> Everyone else is on minimum, and we still go over. Um, another question here. Any chance of some scrutiny being sent Ricky Stewart's way, or will you continue to protect the bloke who coincidentally employs fellow panelist Paul Crawley's brother? I now, like the sassy comments. Yeah, they are, they are sassy. Hey, um, I've changed my stance on Ricky Stewart. I'm out. I'm completely out. I was watching that game on the weekend, and... He, he picks too many losers. He puts too many faith in too much faith in losers. There is one player in their entire team I would take, and that's Papali. The rest of them can just—I uh, just don't want. I think there's loser mentality through that entire club, and I think Ricky Stewart is so much to blame. So I'm out. I'm out on him. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about it too after the last chat we had about him, mm. and I. You know what I reckon? The one job that would be good for him is that one weird, almost pointless job that you see some of these blokes getting that is coaching director. Yeah. Because they've got nothing to do with what goes on on the field, and that's what you need from Ricky Stewart. I think he could be he could handle off-field coaching stuff. I fine. think that's the worst role for him. No, I'd, I'd, put, I'd put him in there because the worst thing I find with Ricky Stewart is the thing you find common with a lot of people who are great players and they can't transition from being a great player to being a great coach. And he's a perfect example of that. Wally Lewis is another one. Yeah. Um, I think so much of what he did on a field was uh, he was so exquisite as a player. And this is the thing that I think a lot of people end up forgetting because of how um, divided they feel about him as a coach. They're going to think of him as a coach from now on in. They're not going to look at what he did as a player and go, oh, yeah, he was actually that fucking good. Um, Yeah. Is that it's hard to take that stuff, which he would do all sorts of weird shit and fucking fanciful shit and set up tries out of nowhere and set up plays. And a lot of people used to talk about how, Peter Sterling could see a play coming like two plays beforehand. Um, Ricky Stewart was very, very similar. And he was setting up plays, two or three plays before. Um, his kicking game was immense. Um, and so because a lot of that just came naturally to him, I think it's hard for him to try and teach that into, you know, any sort of skills or ability into people who don't naturally have it. 
Yeah, and, and I, look, I talked with uh, Jamie, who was on a couple of podcasts ago, about this. I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or after about great plays and how, you know, like and Benji Marshall would be a great example of it in terms of you throw Benji Marshall the ball in a situation I don't think he could tell you exactly what he was thinking at the time. It was There was a lot of instinct in the way he played. And there's things you just can't teach a player. Like, you can get a player that was is bigger, stronger, faster, or more agile than Benji Marshall. And Benji Marshall will never be able to tell that player how to do what he used to do. And that's what a great player has a problem with when they become a great coach. It's like Wally Lewis. Like, how does Wally Lewis ever tell, like, even someone like a Cameron Munster, who's a great player, Wally Lewis could never teach Cameron Munster how to go to Wally Lewis's level. It, you either have it or you don't. Mm. And that and great players can't get that across to people. And I think that's what holds them back as coaches because they – there's an element to themselves that they think, why aren't these players digging so deep within themselves like I used to do? And look, if you took Ricky Stewart at his best and put him in the NRL right now, he's the best halfback in the game. There's just no doubt about it. And, and yeah. I say that as Nathan Cleary fan, you know, um, that's how good he was. But we have seen his entire career. He cannot coach a halfback. And and I think that's why. Yeah, I don't know. It's because I, I think not... tactically as a coach, like I think if you got Ricky Stewart right now, right, and you made him coach the Penrith Panthers, I think the Panthers would be great under Ricky Stewart. Okay, but when it comes to developing players and selecting players and all that, I think Ricky Stewart is abysmal at that side of it. I think for the tactical side, I don't, I don't know, good. man. I don't know because I, I look at what what Canberra's been doing since Vlandy's ball came in, and every other team has made changes to their roster mm-hmm. to make their forward packs more mobile, more agile, to deal with the faster ruck, um, and also the fact that there's a fair chance you might have to be defending for two or three sets in a row because of set restarts and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And he made no changes and steadfastly stuck to the game plan that he was using in 2016, 2017, and that was try and bash the shit out of teams in the first 20 minutes through the middle yeah. and then send the send the ball wide. Um, and at the moment, they're not punching the holes through the middle, but they're still trying to go wide. And it's almost... <laughs> It's almost like watching a Jason Taylor coach side play. <laughs> it really is. It's horrible to watch because you'll see most coaches, like they know it. You've, you've got to earn the right mm. to go wide. And his team's not doing that. They're not punching through the middle. The post-contact meters are, are good, but there's no second phase play off the back of it. And so they're just running for an extra two or three meters. And that's it. Yeah, like, yeah, you, you. That's one of the things that Penrith and the Storm do really well, and South, South and the Roosters do it reasonably well too. And that is, 
if you get a player making those post-contact meters, you either make they either have a quick play the ball or they get an offload away. Yeah. And so it means the defense is just constantly back foot. And you cannot stop any player and any any player's momentum if you're going backwards. Because, you know, gravity, all physics, everything is you being at a weak point. Because you're going backwards, you've got no solid base to put power through to go forwards with a defensive hit. All you're doing is pulling people down on top of you, and all that does is make the attacking player land face first, face point the right way, on top of the defender. So all they do is get up, go to the side a little bit, another quick play of the ball, and the momentum continues. So that's what those teams do really, really well. It's mm. what it's what Canberra struggles with because they'll get those post-contact meters, and then it's a slow play of the ball, and you go, well, that was a fucking waste. Yeah, and, and he's not learned how to fix that, and he's three years of it now. Yeah, and that's the thing about Ricky Stewart. It's like it, when on the personnel selection side of it, he's terrible, and Canberra still don't have a halfback. Like I saw Canberra fans on Twitter the other day saying his biggest problem was that they got rid of Aiden Caesar, and it's like Aiden. If Aiden Caesar <laughs> is the answer, the question is the wrong question, you know. Um, but the thing is, though. He's probably, of the three halfbacks they've had, he's probably been the best one and the one they didn't need to get rid of. Which is, which <laughs> says it all, really. Like, I know, I know. It says it all. Um, I, I remember calling Aiden Caesar in the lower grades and saying how average he was. And uh, it horrified Daniel when I said it too, because he was like, oh, well, if Aiden Caesar's family's listening, we hope you're enjoying the game. But um, <laughs> it's, it, it's, I just think that if he had somebody else doing everything except the tactics, he'd be fine. But that's the thing. In the same way that we will criticise coaches for having big holes in their game, that's a massive hole in a coach's game, that you can't select the right players, hold on to the right players. Like I was watching on the weekend, what does Corey Horsburgh do? Like, what does he Um, do? He just cries. That's it. (laughs) He fucks up and he cries, and that's all he's ever done in first grade. So why is he in the fucking team? In all honesty, his his only thing he does really, really well is good line runner. But you know what? Everybody's second row is one of those. I th- I just I see nothing in he his runs, game. He runs a good line, but I mean, as I said, every second rower in the game runs good lines. You can't just be a good line runner anymore. That used to be, you know, a handy sort of skill to have because you wouldn't have every second row being a good line runner. Some of them were ball players. Some of them were like extra props. You know, they were all a bit different. But now every second rower is a strong line runner, but they've also got ball playing skills. Like there's other players, like Rapana. How many times have we just got to watch him fuck up a game before they stop selecting him? And then there's Jack Whiten who, what does he do? You know? Like, he's a good ball runner, but he's crap at everything else. <laughs> Chance Nickel Klogstad, who it's uh, since he cut his hair, like he's never been the same player again, ever. Like, I don't, does, shouldn't Ricky Stewart go to him and say, dude, grow your fucking hair or you are sacked? And then they bring back Kotrick, who's been just abysmal, absolutely abysmal. And it's just all of these Canberra players. Like, Papa Lee, he's the only one that I would keep. The rest of them, you could uh, just reserve grade garbage. And they've got no heart whatsoever. 
Like, there is no heart in that team. They're so fucking soft. And, yeah, it's. I think it's time for Ricky Stewart to move on. All right, so next up here we've got um, Ask Kenty. How many hours a day, roughly, do you spend thinking about the Bulldogs or Gus Gould? Because <laughs> didn't, didn't they have a fair old bloody rant about the fact Gus Gould ran the training for the Bulldogs last week? Whoopee. See, I thought it was very undermining of Trent Barrett. All right? oh, of course, Of course it is. But, I mean, at the end of the day... The club's going to do whatever it can to stop losing. And I thought that it was funny that they played really well and won the game. And it makes you think, like, how bad a coach must Trent Barrett be? He's a great coach. Great for the attack. Aren't they the worst worst attacking team? (laughs) He's great for their attack. Yeah. Um, I think I remember tweeting something along the lines of the worst thing that could happen for, for Trent Barrett is the Bulldogs win. Yeah. And the, the worst thing possible for the Bulldogs is anything to, that keeps Trent Barrett at the club. Yeah. It, it's a it's just a really bad sign for a coach. And look, Phil Gould has come out saying, he, he come out today and said, Trent Barrett's going to be the coach longer than I'm there. And so Trent Barrett is on the clock. And we've been talking about it for a while now. And, you know, it, it's just going to happen. It's just a matter of when... Gould decides to do it, and the problem, and that's the problem with Gould taking over that training session is that he's now got to back Barrett for a number more weeks, so it doesn't look like he has gone in, undermined him, cut his balls off, and then turfed him out of the club. Yeah, I think all, what we're going to see over the next few weeks is um, Trent Barrett getting very tired. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And look, this is the problem with Phil Gould. There's lots of drama. There's always drama. And he enjoys it. He loves it. It's because he's a media person now, not a coach. Yeah. And people were saying like, oh, you know, Phil Gould's a great coach and all that. It's like he hasn't been an NRL coach for 20 plus years now. Yeah. He was a, he was more more of one of those coaches that was a, you know, player sort of, manager like a Wayne Bennett type coach. Yeah. He's able to sit down and talk to a player and get down to what motivates them and what drives them and then find out how to push the button to, you know, turn them turn that fucking part of their football brain on and make them perform. Mm. Um and yeah, he and Wayne Bennett just have that knack. And he knows how to do it. I mean, you've only got to see, you know, one of the one of the few great things that he's been able to provide us in the media is those Chats he does at origin time. You know, when he goes out before the game starts. And some of those are pretty bloody amazing. And you see, I you, find them vomit inducing. Some some of them are. But <laughs> other, sometimes when he gets out there and he's talking about purely about the emotion of the moment mm. and how some of the players are going to be feeling, mm. um, you can get a bit of an insight there as to how he can use his words to empower players to do what he wants them to do. Yeah, yeah. That's the sort of window you get there. And when you see that, you go, can I ever imagine Trent Barrett? No. <laughs> I couldn't even imagine Trent Barrett losing his shit. You just go into the go, well, boy, there's another bit of a disappointing performance out there. We've got to make sure we do better next time, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, like, Trent, no worries. It's the like, lots are got, on but nobody's home sort of thing. 
He's so fucking vacant. Yeah. And there's just nothing about him. There's, he doesn't get angry. He doesn't get pissed. He doesn't get excited or happy. He's just fucking vacant. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's uh, and it's just it's an interesting situation at the Bulldogs because I think that they've got some talent in that team, but you look at them and they play like crap. Um, and yeah, it's a, just a really bad sign that Gould takes over a training session and they play infinitely better and beat a, a much better team than them. Um. I, I don't know how that dynamic's going to work because he will have to sack Trent Barrett. And I don't know who he's going to get in. But Shane Flanagan. You reckon? Why not? Man. I was there was a couple of weeks ago I heard Shane Flanagan in the in the commentary that he does for Fox Sports. Mm-hmm. And there was a penalty given against a team. I think that they, they were commentating a St. George game or something. And he, and he said something along the lines of, yep, you can't break rules because they'll get you. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, there's no, this fucking guy just doesn't get it, man. There's no fucking self-awareness at all. Maybe that was a rare moment of clarity. He's gone. Maybe, maybe. Ooh. It was just so funny to hear him say that. <laughs> of course. It's like, the only ways that you can, the only ways as a coach you can break rules. And he did all of them. <laughs> Only the flagrant ones. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just, it's fucking kind of impressive when you think about it. <laughs> the ball, the balls to do them so brazenly. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, oh, somebody says, um, are the Cowboys looking like proper contenders? Uh, I at this stage, I don't think so. Yeah, but they are playing a lot better than I thought they would. Yeah, um, and they do have a few players out, so they they are going to get a bit better. Um, yeah, they have still worry me. A lot of what they're doing at the moment is coming through a lot of good work through the through the middle through the forwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and your mate Drinkwater at the back has been playing um, remarkably well given the skill set he has. Um, well, I didn't see their last game that Daylight played, so I can't talk about his last game. But I still think he's a walking catastrophe. He's look, he's not better than Hammerside Tabuo Fedea, who's the injured fullback who's waiting to come back into the side, and Drinkwater's at fullback at the moment, keeping him out. Um, I would be moving Drinkwater to the bench if you must have him in the side, given that he's in a good patch of form. You may as well get what you can out of it while it's there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't be doing it and leaving Tabuai Fadao out of the team entirely. I'd be having that bloke at fullback in an instant. Yeah, and an look, the, you and me at the last minute picked the Cowboys to come last in competition, and it, it's their turnaround has been remarkable because it feels like it's a real thing. Um, so, and they're in third place. It's a legit third place. It's not, they haven't lucked into it and it's on the back of their defense. And when you look at where they were last year defensively, it's pretty remarkable. The turnaround that Todd Payton's got up there. Um, he's getting Jason Talmalolo. I think he's 
they've got to the point where they're like, look, we're a good enough team now. We can actually use Tamalolo like you're supposed to. So Tamalolo's playing well. And look there, I think they're going to finish top four. Yeah. I'm... Like, if you look at the ladder, who at the moment below them is playing legit better than them? And it's no one. Yeah, at the moment. But uh, they haven't had big contests yet. Like, they've played the Bulldogs in Canberra, Brisbane, the Warriors, Canberra again, the Titans. It's only been the Roosters and Parramatta mm-hmm. have been the two genuinely tough games there. And, I mean, they dicked Parramatta. But they got done by 24 points against the Roosters. Yeah. Um. So they haven't been pushed legitimately hard yet. Um, just going to see they've got to come up in the next few weeks. Because, like, the Panthers and Storm, when they face them, they should be thinking we're going to win pretty well. Not smash them, but it, it shouldn't be a game that those two teams lose. But the yeah. ones, or every team below them, I think now will be thinking, man, when we play the Cowboys, it's going to be a real tough game. They've got the Knights this weekend. Oh, wow. Then the Tigers next week. Oh, wow. Then then Melbourne, then Penrith in back-to-back weeks. That That's probably the best way to do it for them. Yeah. And yeah, like get, get a couple more easy wins under their belt and then just get the, those two teams out of the way. If they can be respectable in those two games, after that they've got the Titans and the Dragons. Yeah. Um, there's a fair chance they could keep themselves in the top eight, but if they get a pair of back-to-back smackings there, and that's you know conceding thirty-point margins in both those games, yeah, that could hurt their confidence too much. And the Titans are the sort of team who can pick off a team that's down in confidence a little bit, and so mm-hmm. um, that could turn into three losses. And you don't want that because then you come into the Dragons who are, you know, they've won their last three games. We don't know how. They probably don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> and then Manly, who are not a bad team, and they'll probably have Tom Dravorovic back by then. And then you've got the Broncos after that before the bye. And at that stage, it's round 17. And so if they're down on confidence and they start to struggle against those other three teams, I mean, fuck, that could be six straight losses. So they've got to make sure that, they get these next two wins against the Knights and the Tigers. Yeah. They, if, if they do, even if they you, you pencil them in for the, a loss against the Panthers and Storm, if they just go 50-50 against those teams you named, they're playing finals footy. That, they should have done enough, yeah. Yeah. Um, Which is crazy. Because they, they do have a soft draw. Yeah. They do have Penrith again in round 25 and South the week before that, but aside from that, they've also got Warriors, Bulldogs, Dragons and Tigers again. So it's, it's a pretty favourable draw. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I just can't believe how the difference – I've been so wrong. It feels like there was a year where I said the Cowboys, I thought they were going to have a ridiculously good year. And they were tragically bad. I, I feel like that's the only 
season where I've tipped somebody to be to do something and they've been the complete opposite. Is that the year after they won the grand final? It might. Oh, sorry, they they got to the grand final but lost. Yeah, it might have been. Yeah, because mm. it was like I I said, look, I think that the. I think I wrote an article about it where I was like, I think the Cowboys might lose one or two games all year, and they they hardly won any games. <laughs> I think that was the the Thurston um, farewell tour season. Yeah, yeah it was a shock. That was a that was horrible. Yeah, um, and, and that's like that's the only other season where I feel like I've ever made a a selection for a team where it's been the complete opposite. And so if the Cowboys end up, even if the Cowboys end up in the top eight, I will be completely shocked. And it's been amazing for them to turn it around. Absolutely. Um, How come no mention of the Tigers injury crisis? About 10 players out. um, If Panthers had the same amount of injuries, you wouldn't hear the end of it. (laughs) Uh, Let me just say this. Every team has injuries at the moment. Um, some a few more than others. Mm. Just fucking pipe down. I hate the fact that people want to use injuries as a crutch to justify poor performances. At this point in the podcast, Andrew's little one started crying. So I've edited the crying out because, you know, the Raiders have enough fans. And as soon as the babe stopped crying, we kept on going. So here it is. He's a bit overtired. Oh. Way too early and didn't sleep much, and it does not sleeping great. But there we go. Oh, I've been reliably informed that uh, in the last episode when he come on and you and me were talking about him, that we made all of the ovaries ache. <laughs> we were apparently adorable. People loved it, and yeah, I've been told that. That's a concern. Yeah, it is. Um, but, you know, what can we say? We're just the perfect catches as dudes, hey? I'm taken, ladies. Yeah, that's the problem with you. You're you're already done. You you were like... I almost said you planted your flag, but that's not the way to put it. I didn't mean it that way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got locked away pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. You got snapped not be- up. Not, be- not because I'm a catch, just, you know... Some people know that they've just got to take what they can get. <laughs> oh, that's not a bit like that. Come on, man. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, How did we – we just went right off track so quickly. <laughs> yeah, very much. Let, let's get it back. Yes. Um, someone said, if Einstein was so smart, why is he dead? That's a really good question, actually. Yeah. Um. I think because he he knew that you can't stop time from killing humans. That's true. It's all it's all relativity. That's right. Um, the Matt Lodge diving saga. What's with all the fuss? He was hit high. It doesn't matter how forceful it was. It's a penalty every weekend. It's more the fact that Lodge is just a dickhead. Yeah, with him being that, involved in a play that might win a game. Don't like it. Yeah, and like. You know, I think, well, I was going to say, sorry, it's just more the fact that it was obvious what he was doing because they needed a penalty in front to level the scores. Yeah. So, of course, some 
some dog was going to do something, you know, low life and gutless like, and that was you know, perfect person to do that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I think if it that was, was another that wasn't player, too much, was it? <laughs> no, I don't think you nailed it. I think if it was another player, there people would be upset, but not at the same level. I think mm. that's the way to put it. Yeah, if if I could have my time again, that's probably the way I would have put it. Yeah. You know, I'll probably have Matt smashing me down my door now or something. <laughs> yeah, bring you don't want Matt Lodge knocking on the front door, do you? Uh, bring a bitch. Yeah, because, like, you know you're going to need a new front door and a new bathroom door and a new phone. Anyway. Ah. <laughs> uh... What happens if Penrith makes the grand final and two days out from the game, someone like Cleary gets COVID? Do they get to play? <laughs> no. No, they don't. It's <laughs> pretty clear cut, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty clear. Um, when will Kevin Proctor be getting a start this year? Probably not if he keeps playing the same shit form he has been. Yeah, he's been, and it's been getting worse as the season goes on, unfortunately. Like he's most of his teammates. He's been horrid. Mm. Just not getting involved in the, you know, the dirty play, you know. He's not making the runs in the middle. He's just sitting out in that Ellis corridor waiting for something to be sent to him, almost as if he was the other second rower at the time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, for feeders out now for a few weeks, he picked up an injury too. So, um, oh, so they're going to have to build a game plan now instead of just give it to Fafita all the time. Yeah. Fafita once again, give him back to the club, hey? <laughs> God damn. Did you see Ash Taylor isn't able to play rugby league anymore? Yeah, was, uh, I heard about that, and I don't know what, what it was. Something to do with a hip injury he had? Is that right? Oh, no, I'm talking about since 2016. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> <Now>, <laughs> yeah, just, it was a... just rock it up, cash and checks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, it was a hip, some sort of degenerative hip injury that yeah, he just couldn't get he, right. I, I've, I do have the inside word as to how he got that hip injury. Mm. He was stupid enough to not move his wallet to the other side. <laughs> so because it was always on the one side, it just kept dragging down the hip on that side until eventually it wore out, you know. Yeah, it's a shocker. People, people were like saying, oh, it's very sad, it's very sad, and... All I could think about was, like, here's this young dude that's been earning really good money for a number of years. You know, he had a – I think he played, like, 150-odd games, and, like, he'll be all right. He'll be fine. Yeah. I think the thing that got me about that was the, you know, article saying that he was 27 years old. I went, like, I didn't realise he got that old that quick. He was always young Ash Taylor. <laughs> yeah. It's weird, eh? And he was yeah. another one of those that was, like – um, oh, he's going to be good. You watch. He's going to be good. He's going to be good. And you're just like, when? It just never happened. Mm. Um, hi, Paul. Is it true Wayne Bennett taught you how to tie your shoelaces? What does that mean? I don't know. There we go. Um, how do you think the dogs are going and what is their direction? Um, they're going kind of shit, mm. um, but they're not on the bottom of the ladder, so. That's the important thing. I, I think the thing that's disappointing is that they've spent all this money on this great big roster, mm. which they're still continuing to build on. 
yet they didn't spend money in the right area, and that was on a coach. Yeah. Why Why didn't they get – I know we mention him all the time, but why didn't they get Jeff Toovey? The blokes won almost 60% of his time, of his games at the NRL level, over 100-odd games, and he can't get a fucking coaching gig, yet Trent fucking Barrett does. It makes no sense. And, and there's like, logic in this. There's, it's weird with coaches that, like, this. there are some people that it's like, it's similar thing to Ash Taylor. He's going to be a great coach. He's going to be a great coach. And you sort of sit back and you, you say, oh, great. You just kind of think, man, Trent Barrett, he's going to be a great coach. Everyone's saying it. And then you wait for it to happen and it doesn't happen. I think Adam O'Brien is the same in Newcastle. And we've been talking about him since last year. And you're still looking at this Newcastle side and like they started the season great and have got progressively worse every year. Um, the dude in, in at the Titans, whose name, what's his name? Uh, Justin Holbrook. That's it, Justin Holbrook. He uh, He's the same. It's like, he's going to be a great coach, you watch. And it's, they they have recruited players. I think you look at their lineup. Their lineup isn't the worst lineup. And yet, they he's are a, just getting he is worse, a good, worse. Let's be honest. He, he's, he's built a good roster and he's got a pretty solid squad there. But he doesn't know how to get them to perform on the field. Mm. Adam O'Brien is, I think, utterly clueless when it comes to tactics because what you see every single week from the Knights is the same thing every single mm. week. And that is go left to Ponga. Hope it works. Yeah. Yeah, and it it's simplistic, and you know what's coming. And, like, there, there's not even – the thing that gets me is there's not really a reshuffle there either. Like, if I'm the coach of the Knights, I'm thinking to myself, well, look, we've got Ponga now. We're paying him a million bucks. I need to put him at 5'8". And, and, like, I need to find myself a, a first-grade fullback. I'd probably try Gag, Gagai back there because Gagai's played all right at fullback at times when he's been called upon. And well, his kick uh, returns are better than what Ponga does. And that's the thing. I was thinking about this on the weekend. Like, you don't look at Callum Ponga and think, oh, his kick returns are good. And he's like one of his assets is his footwork and his speed and his agility. But as a kick returner at fullback, he's not that good. And it's I don't it's it's just not his skill set. I think he's just used in the wrong place. If he um, had the kick returns that Valentine Holmes had, hands down, to be the best fullback. Because Holmes is one of those blokes. He's got no other discernible skills in attack as a fullback. But he would always return the ball back hard. Mm. If Ponga could do that, fucking, he'd be, he'd be, his old man could pick up an extra grand a year. <laughs> It's it it's a weird thing, and that's the thing about the Knights. I I don't see those adjustments, and it's like, dude, when are you going to make an adjustment? Like, are you waiting to be fired? Because I think he's going to get fired in the next two weeks. Is that the thing? Because the Knights are media darlings, mostly because of Matty Johns. Um. They won't get any scrutiny thrown out their way. So Adam O'Brien can plot along for as long as he wants there, so long as he's got the support of Matty Johns. And all he's got to do is just 
buy Matty Johns a few beers and give him a, you know, how you going, mates, and you'd be right. He'll have a cruisy run for as long as he wants there. There was a dude that literally bought the entire club off the back of that. <laughs> yeah. That's how easy it is up there. It's I, ridiculous. I saw, I saw an article that one of, the, I think it might have been Ponga was saying, um, that, you know, Newcastle's a, a really good area and they work hard and stuff like that and they stick together and that's what's going to get the Knights through. And all I could think of was like, when has that happened in the last 10 years for the Knights? Like they, they it's, they are one of the worst clubs for thinking that they're special and there's something different there. And it's like, that's not how you win in the NRL. You just outwork everyone else and you just don't make excuses like that. Because no team is special. Like, the, even the Storm, we talk about how different the Storm is. The Storm aren't special. They just work harder than everyone else to get to where they're at. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, that press conference, though, with with Palmer and Adam O'Brien was... Um, <laughs> that was weird to watch. Because it's almost like the one of the journalists said to, to Ponga, you know, uh, is it going to be good to sort of get away from Newcastle and sort of everyone be, you know, all together for the next few weeks, um, you know, get a bit closer together, I guess, and, and get back out on the field and just sort of have a bit of a reset? And Ponga's gone, that's a pretty good line. I'm just going to use that. And he just ran with it for the rest of the press conference. Oh, yeah, it'd be good to get away and stick together and we'll get close together and it'll be all good. And he used, must have used that three or four times. And the whole way through the press conference, every time he was talking, he was smiling. And I went, I understand, mate, you're a multi-millionaire now. You've got every reason to be happy. But after your team's just turned out that utter tripe of a performance, mm-hmm. you don't go into a press conference smiling. And I went, you know what? Don't make him captain again. He's not captain material. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And, and that's the thing about paying someone that much money. Like if... He is somebody that does struggle every so often with the injuries. And if he's not captain material, which is fine. And then you like, he's probably not their best choice for a fullback. Like if they can get a legit fullback, you would want that legit fullback there instead. But then is he able to f- play five eighth? We don't really know that. And, and you just go down the list and it's like, hang on a second. If you've got all of these questions and you've got all of these doubts, is that a million-dollar player? Like, the million-dollar player's in the game. Like, I look at a Taumalolo, bulletproof, best forward in the game, uh, makes ridiculous metres, it, it very rarely gets injured. And when he does, he normally comes back quicker than he was supposed to be out for. So, yeah, that's fine. Nathan Cleary, uh, you, you can even go back to the pedigree of his dad. His dad wasn't an injury-prone player. You know, he, he's rock solid. He's got that pedigree. He's getting better. He's young. He's a halfback. He's big. He's strong. He's a good defender for a halfback. And you're just ticking a lot of good boxes. When you start putting question marks there for a million-dollar player, that's when you've got a question. Do you pay him that million bucks? Yeah, it's... It's weird. I, I, the dynamic is all is all weird. Mm. Um, I'd have thought for a team that's been struggling for form 
to go and offer any one of your current places been there throughout the whole struggle to be given a million dollars is like i understand why mm-hmm. and to a certain degree ponga probably does deserve to be on one of the highest contracts out there especially when you've got the threat of Wayne Bennett and the Dolphins up, you know, just up the road, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, can understand why that's happened, but can we honestly say he's he's genuinely earned it? Yeah, because you know, that's the other thing too. I mean, I'd have the same opinion with with Luke Brooks. Yeah, has, yeah. has he genuinely earned that money? And well, he he just hasn't, has he? No, he hasn't. But that's the thing, I suppose. If you if you're the best performing team in an average side, you're going to stand out more often than not. So it's going to help push your price up, I guess. But you make a good point. If you've got a struggling team, but you've got one, if you've got one player in it that you value very highly, is it the right thing to pay them, make them a million dollar a year player? Because it's not like you're adding something to the team. No, like you're you, not changing you, something. No, you're keeping what you've already got. Yeah, for the most just, part, yeah. But just spending more on it. Like, say you've got a million bucks to spend and you're the Knights. Would you rather have Ponga, Payne Haas, or Cameron Munster? Like, how would you rank, rank them three? Yeah, I suppose it depends on what each club needs, but I think the Knights would probably need Munster more than anything else. Yeah, I, I think I would go Munster. And then I think I'd go Haas. I think if you put, I think you could build around Haas as a front rower at a club. You get him there for four years, a million bucks. I, you know, I actually don't mind the Knights pack, so long as it's got um, Jaden Braley fit and playing. Yeah, that was a big loss. That was a massive That's the thing. Loss. I don't think a lot of people realise how important he is to that night side. I think a lot of Knights, um, you know, fringe fans anyway, I think the genuine fans know. But I think a lot of people sort of thought, oh, Kalen Ponga's the key man. He's the star player. But it's Braley and has mm-hmm. been for quite a while. There's a reason why he was made captain. Um, he is very, very good at organising the team and, and, you know, keeping them motivated. Um that's not something that Ponga does. He doesn't bring that motivation to the team. He doesn't talk them up and get them doing what he needs to. I mean, you see it in the press conferences. He's sitting there sort of laughing and smiling and stuff like that. And you go, it's, it's not a criticism of him not taking it seriously. I just think his personality is he doesn't take things too seriously. And it's part of the reason why he's able to, um, I suppose, come up with plays at really crucial moments mm. because he's, relaxed and calm about everything all the time. But those relaxed, calm people don't tend to always be the best person to have as a captain of a side struggling for form. You kind of need someone who's stern, strict, clear, gives good guidance and direction and, you know, steers the team forward where they need to go, not just some aloof sort of bloke who's trying to do his own thing to try and help the team out. He's not really working with the entire team to get all of the team doing what they need to be doing, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, completely. And and I think that if you go back a little bit in rugby league, you will find that teams would have a captain and and you would sort of think, why is that guy the captain? Because we didn't have as much information as we do now. 
And you think, why is that guy the captain? And as time has gone on and you learn more about the game and the players and things like that, you realise the difference between the, the real leaders and the cap, what, what makes the captain. Exactly. This is another section of the podcast where I have removed baby crying. Um, I'm doing it while I've got a French bulldog at my back snoring. So you might hear that as well. Um, so if you've got any complaints about these cuts in the podcast, just go onto Twitter and go to at Andrew RLP and say, hey, dude, what's with the baby crying in the background? You're making so much work for League Freaks, so much extra work. He really deserves a raise. That that League Freak guy really deserves a raise. Anyway, back to the podcast. All right, T-Mac asks, why is it that you and the panel will hammer the coaches of poorly performing teams, but when it comes to the Raiders, you say nothing? Yeah, I keep hearing that. I keep hearing that. It's Yeah. I, I think that one of the things that helps Ricky Stewart is that it's pretty quiet in Canberra. Like, they haven't got a, a media market there, really. It's just a bunch of sleepy ABC types, so. Yeah. Um, when should the discussion start about relocating the Knights to Western Australia? <laughs> That's terrible. Um Is there any leader when Craig Bellamy will announce whether he's retiring or recommitting as head coach of the Storm? I think he's already done that. I think he did. Didn't he commit for a little yeah. bit longer, but it was like... Another two years or yeah. another three years, but an option in his favour. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. And it was like, um, I think that he's just... I think he's got a bit of a deal with him where he's like, look, I'm happy to keep coaching but I don't want to be locked in for forever, but you don't have to worry that I'm going to go anywhere and everyone's fine with that. Like if you said to me, Craig Bellamy's still coaching in 10 years time, I wouldn't be shocked at the storm. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, no. So yeah, I think that they're all just comfortable with the situation down there, to be honest. Oh, absolutely. Um, if Braith is sick one night for the show, do you think Isaac Moses would fill in as host? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. Um, are you surprised Brett Finch gave three Daly votes to Mitch Moses in round 25-2019? Five runs for 32 metres, no try assist, no line break assist, seven missed tackles. I don't know why he's brought that up. That's, yeah, that's, random. that's not an accident. That was tweeted seven hours ago. <laughs> that's so random. Yeah. Um, um I'd probably say the less we talk about Brett Finch, the better. Yes, yeah, it's just not good. That, tell you what, um, the Daly M voting has been a little bit weird this year because I saw that there was like a bunch of games that Isaac Yo got basically man of the match in the games he played, and it was fair. It was fair enough. He was fantastic, and the Panthers are winning and and stuff like that. But I think he's already been overtaken by somebody else, and it's like, wow, how good are th- must they be going? Exactly. Um, if Gutherson is on a million, when will he deliver Parramatta a grand final premiership? <laughs> Gutherson can't be on a million. I think he's on 800,000, isn't he? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he's on a million. <laughs> yeah, it is Parramatta. Um, can you confirm that Buzz Rothfield's reliable sources come from A, a fortune cookie, B, the bottom of a hive, liquor, or C, the voices in his head? Jeez. There's a theme here, hey. 
Yeah, I think people are assuming that um, Buzz Rothfield drinks a lot. Yeah. Like, why would people think that rugby league journalists all drink lots and lots of alcohol? I don't understand that. Yeah, it's got me beat. Mm. Um, Buzz Rothfield, are you going to put the same heat on the Knights as you do the Tigers every week? No chance. No, no. You know, the funny thing is about Buzz Rothfield. I don't know Mm. if it's a self-imposed nickname or one that someone gave him as the most fearsome rugby league journalist out there. But for someone who's supposedly so fearsome, he's quite spineless and scared and timid. Well, he just tends to go for the low-hanging fruit. Yeah, and only then he's still unsure which piece of fruit he should be swinging at. <laughs> he's, well, such, he's such a piss-weak softcock. You, you can't call yourself something without it having a smile on your face, right? So, And it's it can't be too – you've got to be careful with it. So, like, I started calling myself uh, the king of the internet and the king of rugby league and stuff because I knew it upset palms. Yeah. And then I started calling myself the glorious league freak because it upset palms. <laughs> and and that was the whole point. That's still the point. <laughs> But to call yourself like the most fearless, the most fearless journalist in rugby league, it's like, ugh, it's a bit off. Wanky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, someone here asked, do you prefer a large stadium half full or a suburban, suburban stadium 90% full? I prefer a large stadium half full. Likewise. And, and it, I'll tell you why. Because more people can go to it and it's going to be more comfortable and there'll be better parking and better facilities. And a half full large stadium is holding, holding a lot more than a suburban ground with 90% capacity. Yeah. That yeah. could be 20,000 versus 15,000. It yeah. could be an extra, yeah, five, 10,000 extra people in the large stadium. Of exactly. course you can take that. And we've got and, a weird, sorry, go on. I was going to say, and nearly all of those people at the large stadium are going to have a good view. Exactly, and and we've got a weird thing in rugby rugby league where if a game is really popular, say it's uh I don't know, say the the Paramount Eels and Dragons are both good for two weeks for some reason, and they can draw a massive crowd. There is this weird thing where they'll say, oh, it's going to be a sellout, it's going to be a sellout, and then it's not actually a sellout because everyone feels like it's going to be a sellout. Why bother getting tickets? Um, it, whereas in the big stadiums, a good, nice-sized stadium, that's not really too much of an issue. But then you get a small ground, and it's like, say you play at Cogra, and it's very rare these small grounds sell out anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's weird that the game is so keen on um, rolling back to suburban grounds, mm. especially when the... New South Wales Rugby Union side, the Waratahs, have been reduced to playing home games at Leichhardt Oval now. Yeah. It's, I don't understand it. I really don't understand it. Give me a, give me a seat with a, a, that's got cover over it, with parking and facilities. Give me all of the things I want to get me out of my house. And there's not many stadiums that do that in Sydney. 
and there's beautiful stadiums around this country like the Cowboy Stadium and all this stuff. But for some reason, there are people who will say like, oh, yeah, I love sitting on the hill and stuff. And, you know, I feel like a lot of those people don't actually go to games. No, that's right. And look, this is the thing, okay, is there's nothing wrong with having a novelty game. When I say novelty, I mean like, you know, have one game a year where you play at these suburban grounds. There's a bit of a kick throwback to it. I remember when we used to play here and you sort of make it a a pilgrimage, as they'd say, every year. Mm. You know, round 15, we're going to have our traditional game at Belmore. Round 7, we're going to have our traditional game at Lycombe. They just do one of them every year. And that way you make it an event around that one venue. But play all the other games at proper sports grounds with proper seating and facilities and, you know, great to watch on TV and sort of thing. And then you make a bigger event out of those smaller suburban grounds. Mm. But you're actually providing a better package to members and fans and all sort of stuff alike if you're just playing more and more games at these big venues, which we do have, especially if it's cheaper to run games out of those bigger venues than it is at, like uh, Brookvale and so on and so forth. Yeah, one hundred percent. And look, I can I've, I can tell you I've never been to Leichhardt because just there's so many crosses against it. I just can't be bothered putting in all that effort to you know struggle to find parking and and then you're sitting in a poor place that doesn't have all the facilities you want and stuff. It's like at some point I'm just like I'd rather watch at home. Um, Campbelltown Stadium is. A minimum of what you would want, right? <laughs> it's a dive. I, I do not like Campbelltown. The amount of money that was put into that venue when they first built it in, what was it, 86, 87? Mm. And the money they put in there afterwards to update it. Mm. I look at it and go, where's the money? Like, where's it gone? Mm. How is this that much of an upgrade on what Leichhardt is? Well, look, I'm I'm going by going for... I've seen games, New South Wales Cup games there, right? Where that was, it was fine to go for New South Wales Cup because you got parking. But yeah. even then, there was, I think the second time I went there, I had to park like a couple of blocks away for New South mm. Wales Cup games. It was ridiculous. But so that's another one. Manly, I will never go to a Manly Seagulls game. I was going to say, actually, about that, that time we had to park a few blocks away. Um, when you did get back to your car, did it still have all its tyres on it? Well, honestly, I was prepared for anything, and thankfully my car was a still there and b uh, untouched. But I the was... only reason why that happened is because you either drive a Commodore or a Falcon. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, it, seriously, it was like one of those things when I couldn't get parking outside the stadium. I was really worried for my car. I really, properly was. Um, and then. Yeah, Manly, I will never go to a Manly game again, mostly because the ground is sour. I don't want to be there for that. Um, and there's just all these stadiums that are like that, whereas the difference is I'm very keen to go and see the new Sydney Football Stadium. I would go to a good Parramatta game any time I could. When Penrith get their new stadium, I'll be a season ticket holder until I die in three and a half years' time or so. And so it, it just is... It's the difference. I don't understand this. Let's go to old rundown facilities. It's so great. It's like, no, it's not. And I tell you what, there's a reason why they play so many games at Leichhardt in Campbelltown, because it is dirt cheap to hire them grounds. That's the only reason they go there. 
only but only when they play day games. The problem with playing at Leichhardt at night is they actually have to get the lights. They're going to hire those lights there. So they've got to get near a sellout in order to draw square. Mm. Why would you have night games there? And yet every year they'll have a night game there. Why? Just stop doing it. Just have the afternoon game so that fucking Gus Gould can wake himself silly over when the game used to go left, right, or whatever it was, and you know, fucking 78 tooth cup or some shit. <sighs> but at least the Tigers break even. Wow. <laughs> it's all about it's not about the game or supporters or enjoyment or anything or all, success yeah this is success anything at all like that it's all about the books that's right that's right um <laughs> why do you appear to be pessimist with buzz on set but every time crawley comes on you scream and shout over him that's because crawley's an idiot yeah, or pretty Buzz is an idiot. Oh, who cares? You're all all three of you are idiots. Um, someone says, "Why is such a flock, Kenty?" He's a journalist, That's why. I'd love to hear him uh, answer that. If somebody mm. said to you, "Why are you such a flop?" What would your answer be? Um, I'd probably say, "Yeah, it's all the money they give me to be here." <laughs> no, I mean you personally. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Oh, really? <laughs> all the money you give me. I would... I'm, paid, I'm paid to be this shit. Mine would be that I, I'm really lazy. <laughs> that would be my one. It's like I'm mostly flop because of my laziness, I would say. I'd like to think of myself as being um, easily bought. So if you want me to be better, you just need to give me more money. <laughs> If you, want, if you want me to be better, you need to pay me more. That's right. And you get what you pay for. If you're not going to pay him anything, then I'm not going to give you much. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. Um, someone's asked, why do birds suddenly appear? It only happens every time he's near. Ah. Good work. Um. Hello, Paul. Why did you say that four-week suspension is too much for being homophobic? Sounds like you were trying to defend homophobic behaviour. No, look, I'm, I've had criticisms of Kenzie before. Mm. I don't think he's trying to defend homophobic behaviour. I think he's trying to say that um, it was just a stupid thing, a very stupid thing to say. Does it really warrant being suspended for a full month for saying something stupid. Um, I think that's kind of the point he's making. He's not trying to say that homophobia is fine. Mm. Um, that That's where I take from that. I've, I've never heard Kenty come across as being, you know, outlandish with comments regarding things like, you know, sexuality and stuff like that. I don't think he really dabbles in that, that area. So I'll, I'll defend him a little bit there. Yeah, I guess it, I guess a one way you could look at it, and I'm trying to be like a devil's advocate here, is I could see you could make an argument where you would say um, the the suspension you get for an act of physical violence or an act of, well, yeah, physical violence in the game, how does that line up to, like, the, a homophobic slur? 
and then asking that question between the two and how do you level them up against one another. But I, I don't think there was, there's been any real, I haven't really seen any pushback against that suspension from no. within the game, to be honest. I don't think, no. I think everyone was like, oh yeah, fair enough, cop it. Exactly. And I mean, I've always said that suspension should be more about um, the heavier they are is based on the level of stupidity displayed. Mm-hmm. And so I think four-week suspension for saying something homophobic is perfectly fine because there's an easy way out of that, and that is to shut your fucking mouth and don't say stupid shit, and then you don't get suspended at all. It is so easy to fix. Yeah, yeah. And so it is so stupid so insanely stupid that you deserve to get four weeks for being so stupid to run your mouth on something so sh- and say such stupid shit. I don't even know who said it or what was said, but, you know, if you're going to go out there and say homophobic fucking comments, there's no place for that crap, whether, you, you know, whether you've got an issue with homophobic people or not. You know you're going to get punished for it if you say anything about it, so just shut your fucking mouth and say nothing. And then you don't get suspended or fined or whatever. It's an easy system. It yeah. really is. Yeah. It's, don't it's pretty be stupid. Straight. Don't be stupid. You don't get suspended. The other thing I I would look at it too is like, you know, you're you're a professional athlete. Act like it. Exactly. It's easy to just shut your mouth. Mm. You don't need to give your opinion on everything. I mean, has the whole Israel Folau fucking saga not taught anyone anything? <laughs> I wonder what Israel Folau's doing. Is he still playing rugby union in Japan? Maybe he's about to start campaigning for Clive Palmer. <laughs> Clive, we want some of his coin back. <laughs> my my guess is Clive Palmer doesn't want anything to do with Israel Folau anymore either. That was so <laughs> fucking weird. This is a very weird union, that one. Mm. I think what happened was Clive thought he's a way for me to get a bit of popularity. Mm. And then he's gone and helped out Israel, and he's gone, ooh, not so many people like Israel as I first thought. <laughs> Have the bad investment, Clive. I'll just walk away from this one. Yeah. Isn't it weird that you kind of look at that whole situation and you come away thinking from it like, Clive Palmer probably feels like Israel Folau was a user. <laughs> like, how weird is that? I know. That's uh, pretty impressive from Israel Folau's standpoint. Yeah, that's for sure. It really is. He He got more out of... <laughs> he got married of Clive than most of Clive's employees did. <laughs> um, why do so many journalists think they're experts when clearly they have very little additional expertise to the general public? Shouldn't you be talking as the voice of the punter to people who knows, who know not pretending to be the bloke who knows? Yeah, that kind of fell away there. I, I guess I understand what he means. They, so these journalists kind of set themselves up as like, Oh, I I know behind the scenes. I've got the scoop. Mm. I I know things you don't know, and and it's very clear that the vast majority of them do not have any fucking idea. Um, and so I I I think that there is a pl- look. I think you and me, to a certain extent, would be filling that role, and I think a lot of podcasters and independent outlets fill that role as well in terms of um just talking to people about footy. You know, and not pretending that and we've you and me have talked about this before. The people that pretend they know things when they don't, there's something weird about those people. Like they yeah. they they need something that they are missing. 
in their lives. There was a really good one actually that came up last week with the Matty Johns podcast. And he had Cooper Cronk on, mm. and Cooper Cronk showed very clearly how far ahead of Matty Johns he is when it comes to analysing the game. Mm. So Matty Johns was talking about how he thought. Um, well, he asked a question: Does Jackson Hastings have the best footy IQ in the game? <laughs> and the footage that he showed was of two crash ball plays, basically hit-ups, through the middle. And the second of them was, you know, it resulted in a very slow play, the ball. And Hastings wasn't involved in this play. The ball went out to Brooks, and Brooks threw a fucking spectacular pass that cut out one player and one defender, created an overlap, and the Tigers scored off it. Mm-hmm. And he used that as an example of Hastings' IQ. When Cronk got a chance to actually show his IQ, he showed Hastings directing traffic and directing play before Luke Brooks kicked that match-winning field goal. I think it was against Parramatta or South, one of those two. Um, and he showed, you know, he's pretty much saying, you know, go go right, go right, and then pointed, you know, go back to Brooks, don't pass to me for the field goal. And they it did exactly what he asked. They got good play the balls out of it. They went forward, and then they gave it gave Brooks a lot of space to calmly kick the field goal and win the game. Yeah. That was a good example of Hastings IQ. Yeah. That's the one that Cronk used. The one yeah. that Matty Johns used didn't show anything that Hastings did at all. And that's not a Christian Hastings. He just wasn't needed in that set for what they were doing there. And it was yeah. all Brooks who set up the try and did all the work there because Brooks does have skills. He can do that. It just seemed like Cronk was trying to carry and save Matty Johns. Matty Johns is um, essentially, uh, let's say, for, for lack of a better word, let's say he's a larrikin. Yeah. At least that's what he's trying to portray himself as. Um, he's not the analyst he thinks he is. I think I think Matty Johns is smart enough to be a decent enough analyst in the Michael Annis sort of capability. Mm-hmm. He's not on Cooper Cronk's level. And, you know, I think some of this has to do with, I think in rugby league, if you can get your thoughts across at a certain level, you can blag your way to a certain level as well. Mm. So I, I think you look at somebody like a Matthew Johns, who can articulate what he's thinking pretty well when he's talking about the game. Now, whether that's right or wrong, if there are people within the game that he can talk about the game at that level with where they will be like, man, he he knows what he's talking about because listen to the way he's talking about it. Um, And and look, there are players that the the best rugby league player I've ever seen is Andrew Johns. He's dumb. He's dumb. All right. He's really dumb, let's face it. And that's fine. It doesn't that's have just, to be fucking anything. As, as, as I was saying before, as another person who just played on instincts. Yes. And those instincts were just fucking sublime. Yes. And look, Ricky Stewart, I'm sure if you sat down and did a film film session with Ricky Stewart, it would be an amazing experience, right? Yeah. And he would point things out to you that, like... And sitting down with Craig Bellamy would just be like, he, I'm sure he would probably talk about things you, you never even knew needed to be known in the game. Um, 
But if you can talk about the game at a certain level, I think you can blag your way through it. And I think that there are people within the game that you see do that. And it's interesting when you see it. It, it really is. Um, I just found that one really... Because, you know, we've we've heard a lot of the Matthew Johns ideas. Oh, they're terrible. And for me, that shows you where his analytical mind is at when it comes to the game. Yeah, and look, it's it's okay. Like, yeah, it's fine. There's there are there's different levels to this shit, and you know, it's it, it's fine. It didn't make him any worse for player. Like he played for New South Wales. Um. It, you know, it's it's cool. He he formed when him and his brother were both playing together. Like if you, if you take it up to the season before he left Newcastle, they were a damn good halves pairing, really good. They worked really well. They complemented each other. Um, it doesn't mean he's he doesn't know the game or anything. It's just some people are going to know the game. Some people would be able to run rings around both Cronk and Johns. When it to, to, when it comes to talking about the game as well, like it just depends. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, Matty Johns would understand some of the duties that a half, especially a five base, would have to do because that's the position he played. Um, but the way the game was played when he was a five base is different to the way it's played now, not by much. Mm but by enough to make him not the authority he would probably like to think he is anyway on the matter. Um, the same goes for Andrew Johns. And it's only because Andrew Johns played the game completely differently to everybody else and like no one before him. Yeah. So, of course, the way he looks at it and the way the game is supposed to be played is going to be through different eyes because he didn't play it like everybody else. Mm-hmm. That's just going to be the way it is. Um, a lot of these commentators are not the great analytical minds I think they are. Cooper Cronk, though, is is different. Billy Slater is also different. Yeah, Slater's really good. I tell you, they, I tell you, somebody that is very good at it, but they probably can't articulate it as well, is uh, Brad Fittler. He's, yeah, he's, he's very good at it, but he's just not as good of a speaker as somebody like a Cooper Cronk, and that's fine as well. Like, I think it didn't hold Brad Fittler back. Never has. I think that for Fittler, too, he kind of wants to be seen as a sort of happy-go-lucky, jokey sort of a bloke, which is fine, because he yeah. is. Um, I think he worries if he gets a bit too serious and really gets bogged in, this sort of stuff. Um, yeah, people won't think that he's a, an easy-going or relaxed sort of guy and, I don't know, something weird like that, but... Um, no, he is, especially when it comes to understanding what forwards have to do. Mm-hmm. It's not so much because he was there, but it's more because um, I think a lot of the work he did when he was at the Roosters especially was off the back of good work by the forwards and the platform that they set because the Roosters had phenomenal forward pack when he was there. Mm-hmm. And he genuinely understands and appreciates the work that they do and what they do good and how it helps the halves. Yeah. And so I think he had a better awareness of what players were doing around him, which is something I don't think the Johns brothers or Ricky Stewart, for that sense, um, 
are as good at understanding. Yeah. I, I tell you another person I like hearing talk about the the real technical side of game is um Jonathan Thurston. And that's why it frustrates me when like at half time they'll run a, a clip where he's he's doing he's he's doing a voiceover over some silly clips from other sports or something. You know, they'll do things like that every so often because it's like I, I want to hear Jonathan Thurston sit down and really show me things that are happening in this game that I'm not seeing because I'm not Jonathan Thurston's level of understanding rugby league. And I think that's what got me about that Benji Marshall show. Like I was hoping that Benji Marshall show was just forget all the fluff, forget all the production. Benji Marshall sits down and talks about those things within the game that, and the, I would have watched every episode of that, but they just kind of made it another one of those, oh, you know, I'm talking chat to show. this dude next to me show. Yeah, it's a chat show, yeah. And look, maybe that's all Benji Marshall wanted to do. That's cool. But I, I was hoping it was going to be like, let's get stuck into what rugby league is. I want to hear a legend tell me what they see. And look, I don't like, think we get enough of that. Remember, I think Sterler had a show like that for a little while on Fox many years ago. Mm-hmm. And that was fascinating. I think the one that I rem- that I remembered the most was when he had Todd Carney on, mm-hmm. and he went through very thoroughly. I think one game where Carney set up a try, and what he what he looked at was he said, "Right, we're going to pause it here. Tell me what you're seeing here and what you're thinking at the same time." Mm. And Carney was talking about how you could see that the winger had just turned his eye off the outside winger and he's, you know, in the attacking team mm-hmm. and was looking straight at Carney. He says, as soon as I see the winger's eyes, I'm now thinking, how do I get my, how do I get the ball out to the winger? Because already I've, I've drawn that defender's attention. Mm-hmm. He's now lost sight of the winger. He's supposed to be marking. So I've, I've already got that man beat. Mm. You're going, and this is like a split second thing. Yeah. And that's what's in their head. And I'm going, now that's the fascinating stuff. That's what we yes. need to get to. That's the bit we need to know. And, you know, the little bits of, you know, what is it when a player sees that they go, I've got him. Yes. That's what we want to hear. Yeah. Don't ask I, that question. I, I agree. I, I love that stuff. I absolutely love it. And it can, it can be weird. It's weird things too. It'll be like, I know this guy when he when he goes backwards just before he comes off the line, instead of coming forward, he sort of crosses his legs over and he doesn't get off the line as quick as he should. And I know that there's going to be space there. It's just weird things that they – that's what I love too. It's like, oh, man, you know, just a look. That's when rugby league's at its best. When I always felt like when I played when – and look, I didn't play at any level, right? But when he played footy, and you could give, and I played on the wing, and you could just give a look to your halfback, and he knew it was on, and that's all it took. And he was going to kick to you, get the ball to you, whatever way it was. That was always, to me, what was like magic. You know, it was so cool. It was, yeah. It, it's always, like, the one thing I always remember, too, is, um, you know, was there a certain step you had to do or a certain direction you had to run in, in order mm. to change the way the defence moved? Mm. And if you could get the defence to either move more slowly or faster than what your attack was, then there's a chance you could catch them out somewhere. 
Um, and so watching watching Harms trying to find that moment, especially when they're close to the attacking line, where there's little room to move um, for the attacking side anyway, watching them search for that moment is pretty intriguing because you're looking for very minute detail. Mm. So freeze frame stuff, you're going, that's where he's got him. Mm. I find that pretty fascinating. But, you know, I'm a nerd, so of course I would. See, that's why I love a short ball because you're not, you, you've got a player has the defense moving with him at that point and they're watching outside and they're watching him and they're watching everything else. And it's the guy that's running straight through and he's just off his hip. And it's like a, it's like a blind spot and they miss it. And it, it's a short ball straight through and they score. And it's like, ah, oh, that's like a, a, a sleight of hand magician move. And that's yeah. why I, I, I will see a short ball and I'm like, Oh my God, that was amazing. You know, it's that stuff to me is very, very cool. Yeah, I love the good short, especially when they make it look like they're going to pass out the back and they hit the lead runner right in front. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. And, and you've got uh, you've got this overview of it all from above. And mm. it's like, oh, what happened? Oh, it's a short ball. He scored. <laughs> it's so cool. <laughs> I, know, I definitely love that. Um, got a few more here. Hi, Kent. He just finished a good film but was confused about one part. What was that in Cameron Diaz's hair from the something about Mary? Now, I, I've seen that movie. It's calm. It's calm. <laughs> it's one hundred percent calm. I, I thought it was. Did you say gum? No, no, calm. It was all oh, right. Yeah, he ejaculated, and that was calm. There you go. That, that should clear that up pretty, yeah. pretty, pretty subtly, I'd say. It was calm, yeah. Yeah. Um, how come Jeff Tuvey's name is never in the mix when discussing available coaches? Yeah, I don't get it. Neither do I. Do you think that uh, Jeff Tuvey, because Je- Jeff Tuvey's a real smart dude, do you think Jeff Tuvey n- is earning a certain amount of money doing whatever he's doing to the point where he's like, he needs to be made a real good offer? I don't know, because I don't even know what he's doing at the moment. Yeah, I've I've got no idea either. He used to make occasional appearances on, you know, whatever weird panel shows they had going on Fox Sports. I'd, so I'd stop watching them, so I wouldn't know if they're still there or not. Yeah. Um. And I'll tell you what, Fox Sports, if you want me to watch again, I've, I've got a request, and that is no more Benny Elias <laughs> ever. That prick does not have an opinion that's worth listening to. So <laughs> don't put him on there anymore. Okay, and I might consider watching something that you've got on there. I don't I know just, what's on there anymore. I stopped I just, watching it. Why would I? I don't care what journalists think. Well, why, when has anyone ever cared what journalists think? Yes, that's a very good question. Like ever? I've, I've questioned um, Dean Ritchie a few times in recent weeks over a few things. Has he blocked you yet? No, no. I will. I I don't think so. I'm not. Let's be honest. I'm not trying to get blocked. Mm. I think that's childish. I'm not going out calling him names and and being abusive to him. Mm. I'm just kind of telling him that the reason why certain things are the way they are is because of journalists 
whinging and complaining to make sure they got changed so that they could then whinge and complain about the change because mm-hmm. that's all they want is to create a never-ending whinge loop. Mm-hmm. And he's one of the best at it, as is Phil Gould. You need to make sure there's always something to whinge about. So you whinge about something that doesn't need to change, and then when it does change, you then whinge about the fact they changed it. 100%. I saw you talking about that on Twitter. It was some. It was uh, the referee, and I think it was mm. with Phil yeah. Gould. Because I'm everyone gets blocked by Phil Gould eventually, and then he quits Twitter. But then... Uh, and you, it was 100% correct. Like they, they all whinge about things and then it gets changed and then they whinge that it should never have been changed. It's like you were the crusader for this shit. Yeah. Well, the, the Richie one was stupid because he said, you know, I wish they'd tell us what the six against or what the restarts are for. <laughs> and I said, well, if they did that, they'd call a penalty. But then you'd start whinging about there being too many penalties to call. That's why we've got six against, you know. So six against are there because this is what you journalists wanted. Mm. So you should be happy. I saw somebody actually pointed out to him that it's put up on the screen when it yeah. happens. Well, that was, and, that was the conversation and, I jumped in on. Yeah, and then he wasn't happy with that either. And it's like, oh, you're just a miserable cunt. Yeah. He didn't like the fact that, um, I suppose, people pointing out that he wasn't right. Yeah. None of them do. No, no. They like being in their echo chamber where everyone agrees with them. Yeah. Because they're spineless silks. It's simple as that. Mm-hmm. Simple as that. Um, see if there's any left here to, uh, that might be interesting. A lot of people are asking about why isn't Ricky Stewart being hit with the same pressure as everybody else. Um, someone says, why do you get so aggressive when other people have a different opinion? <laughs> um, what is for supper this evening? Uh, Probably just sherry. A... <laughs> you beat me to it, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Are the media scared of Ricky Stewart? Um, Imagine if it turned out they were actually physically scared of Ricky Stewart. They probably are. (laughs) Like we find out that Ricky Stewart's like somebody writes something bad about him and he just calls them up and he says something over the phone that terrifies people. (laughs) Someone says almost identical percentages between Ricky and Madge. Ricky, one title. 49.9% 49.9% win rate in the NRL. Madge, one title, 50% win rate in the NRL. That's Almost identical. Yeah. Why is there never any heat on Ricky, but there's always heaps on Maguire? And that's because the West Tigers don't fight this stuff. And Ricky has hired the brother of one of those journos that are on there. So, you know, they're all sooks. The other thing is, too, like the Raiders are a pretty stable club. Um they you know they've got their off field like their business side of stuff they they everything's sorted for the raiders i don't think people realize that and uh so that they they're a pretty stable club down there whereas the west tigers i would not suggest they're a stable club no well financially they're stable oh financially they're great by the way how easy is it to be financially good when your big biggest expenses are covered by the national rugby league grant like, yeah, but I mean, surely, surely the Tigers are the only team that gets that. Well, there are others that get them that as well. But like one or two others. Yeah. yeah. It's, this is all just 
neither here nor there. Uh, well, yeah. Someone says, does high inflation have a real-world impact on salary caps? Not really. Uh, no, I don't think at the level that they're spending at. Um, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, it would have to be pretty damn high inflation for it to get to that point. And at that yeah. point, who would give a fuck about footballers? <laughs> Exactly. No one's watching it then because they can't afford it. <laughs> um, COVID years aside, why can't the Anzac game between Melbourne and Warriors rotate and be played in New Zealand every second year? Yeah, I agree. I Very agree. Question. I think it'd be awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. There's not really many others other than people asking about James Super's um, driving record. <laughs> people can be cunts, can't they? Yeah, they can. I'm glad we don't do that sort of stuff, though. No. We don't dabble in that that murky water. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, well, that's good. It's it's about time. This is the – I looked it up. It's the 10th episode of Ask Kenty that we've done. Um, there's no doubt that we've answered way more questions than Kenty has. Oh, yeah, he only usually does too. Yeah. So well, and Last time I watched him answer this anyway, he did too. And they're very hand-picked as well. Yeah. I just tried not to repeat myself. So there's an awful lot that all sounded the same. So I was just skimming over them and trying to read the ones that um, made the most amount of sense, I guess, for an yeah. idiot like me to read out. Lots of Ricky Stewart ones and, uh, yeah, I get that. And that's yeah. fine because people want want that question answered, you know. And uh, I, as I said, I'm out on Ricky Stewart. I've, I, I gave him the benefit of the doubt and it's all gone now. All that is gone. All of it's gone. Get they All. should bring in Jeff Tuvey. Although does Jeff Tuvey really want to move down to Canberra? Who wants to move to Canberra? Fuck that. Well, I think if a if a coaching gig came along, I reckon Tuvey would take it. You reckon in Canberra? Yeah. I mean, he lived in Manly. Well, that's yeah. Manly's just Blacktown by the sea, isn't it? So. Yeah. It's. He could leave in. He could live in Queanbeyan. Exactly. <laughs> Almost done, fella. <laughs> He's not I'm happy not tonight. That's it. That's all we wanted. Alrighty. Um, all right. Well, we'll wrap this fella up. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. Uh, thanks for tuning, in, everyone. Um, Make sure you check us out on the socials at Instagram and Twitter at Burger Freak Pod. We're on LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, MySpace. So check us out on all of those. Give us likes, follows, subscribes, all that sort of gear. Make sure you leave us a comment and a five-star rating on your podcast listening device. Um, and also you can contact us via email, Freaky. How can they do that? Yeah, go to If you go to your email machine and put in podcast at leaguefreak.com, Leave us an email. We've got, I think we've got about four of them that we can go back and have a look at, but I've got to bring them all up. I'm getting so much spam at the moment. It's crazy. I'm getting like 40 spam emails a day. It's just dumb. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. And they're all like, uh, they're all like in Russian. Oh, must be something going on in Russia. Uh, I don't know. It seemed like a pretty stable area to me. Yeah, it is pretty, pretty calm. Not much happens over there. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess that's pretty much it. Next episode. Our Palmer bet. Yeah, and it'll probably be our Palmer bet uh, preview for the upcoming round. So that's going to be fun. Yeah, we'll try and turn it into something a bit more than just a standard, uh, you know, preview. Yeah. We'll still have all that stuff there, but we'll try and think of something to add in there. I don't we'll know. Turn, turn it into a freaking celebration. Maybe I, should, I could get blind drunk for I don't know. We'll see. Well, you've got 20-odd hours. <laughs> we'll end this episode now and you can start drinking. <laughs> just don't turn up. It's like I just start drinking now and I've drunk the whole time. Be great. What could go wrong? Alrighty. Well, uh, I'll wait. He's, he's upset because the episode's ended. Possibly. Yeah. Alright. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, and we'll catch you all next time. Download our app today and enjoy tackle-busting benefits with great odds, more markets, and same-game multi every NRL match at Palmerbet. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858.